Welcome to the Grand Conversation, the Machon Siach podcast. Machon Siach at SAR High School, honoring the memory of Belda K. Lindenbaum, Zichrona Levracha, is the research arm of SAR High School where faculty bridge theory and practice on matters of Jewish education, curriculum, and culture that are central to the modern Orthodox community. The Grand Conversation podcast features the fellows of Machon Siach discussing their research. I'm your host, Shmuel Hain, Rosh Beit Midrash at SAR High School and a co-director of Machon Siach. Our producer is Rabbi Avi Bloom, director of technology at SAR High School. For today's podcast, we are really excited to discuss the work that has been conducted over the past year by the Makom Siach Research Group. I am thrilled to welcome two new voices to the Grand Conversation podcast, Dr. Tammy Jacobowitz, the director of Makom Siach, and Ms. Shira Shaiwitz, co-head of professional development at SAR High School, and Tammy's partner on the Makom Siach focus groups research. Tammy and Shira, welcome to the Grand Conversation. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Great, and now we got out of the way which one of you was going to talk first, so we're ready to go. Tammy, can you share with us uh, a little bit about the mission of Makom Siach more generally and the impetus for the research project you and Shira conducted over the past year? Sure. Makom Siach has now concluded its fourth year, and it was started as an immersive opportunity for parents to come together and learn in an SAR style and the way that their, their kids are learning, and to create a community of learners, invested learners, who have devoted a significant amount of time to be able to study together. The impetus for this research group really arose towards the middle of our COVID experience last year, when I started to notice that the role of our school was totally shifting. We all remember those town hall meetings, watching the numbers rise, how many people were coming on for medical advice, for learning where to go and what to do and who they could invite, where to shop. And it seemed as if not only in the medical way, but even in the way of programming, the school was playing a larger role in our families' lives. I remember speaking with parents who had never before watched the Yom Hazikaron ceremony, for example, but there it was in their living room. And I started to wonder if other people were thinking about these questions, do we like what's happening to SAR? Maybe we should grow the role of the school in a non-COVID year. And I began to interview different parents who had been involved in Makum Basiach in the past to hear about their experiences, what was it like when school came home. I wrote a, pod, a, a blog about it for the Makum Basiach blog. And after that, started to get interest from people who said, yeah, I, I actually really want to think about this with you. So we started this group, and we invited six parents, and I invited Shira to come and join me as a thought partner, and at the kind of the last hour, invited two alumni who had been a part of a different Machon Siach program, the Siach Graduate Fellowship Program, to join our conversation. And the ask was to come together to spend the year once a month on Zoom, had our group, to probe, to examine, to think about some of these questions. And, you know, it was, it was open-ended. But we wanted the group to be structured so that we could be susceptible and ready to talk about whatever came across the table. Shira, what was, what was your interest in getting involved in this particular project? Why were you, uh, why were you so excited to be involved? Well, it's always exciting to work with Tammy, so that was definitely part of it. Um, but I would say that I was really intrigued by the question. Um, I also watched the school role grow over those months of COVID, and I wondered about it. 
because school is at its core for the students. So what role does school play for parents and the other constituents? And are we servicing parents in a way as a way to inspire their kids, or does that have a goal in and of itself? So all these questions were very intriguing to me. Um, and I was also intrigued by the idea of having a di diverse group to talk to. Um, I spend a lot of my time talking to students and to teachers, but my time with parents and alumni is very limited. So that was also an intriguing piece that we'd have so many diverse voices. So how did you figure out who, to part who would participate and what was the method of the research uh, that you conducted? Tammy, you can take a crack at that first. Yeah, I mean, at the bottom of that blog, there was a call, you know, for anybody to come and join and be a part of this project. My experience has been that people don't usually show up with open calls, so I made some phone calls. And um, I decided to invite people who had been a part of the Makum Basiach program because I knew them, and I knew that they were invested in the school, and it seemed like an appropriate follow-up to the exper learning experience that we had. And everyone said yes, so that was wonderful. And the alumni was, as I said, a last-minute decision, and one of them was my, my student, and I was just delightful to have her back on, and the other alum who had been, you know, a part of the program. We, you know, we, we spent a lot of time thinking about, all right, so we got our group together, we know what our big questions are, but, you know, what happens next? And Sheer and I spent a lot of time before each meeting, you know, figuring out a kind of frame whether we brought in, our favorite example was when we brought the religious mission statement, which as faculty, we had spent a lot of time thinking about and parsing and, you know, getting it ready to present to the students, but we hadn't discussed it with parents, at least we hadn't. So I remember that session, we began by asking people what their expectations were from the school and what do they think the values of the school are. And everybody wrote their list. Remember, it's on Zoom, so I think we were on a Jamboard or something. We all shared. We were amazed by how much was in common at what people had, had written. And then we had the grand reveal, and we showed the religious mission statement. And there were some elements in the statement that everybody was surprised by. There were also lots of elements that were right in alignment. And that then began our conversation. So what do you do with that misalignment? And why is it, you know, if one person in the group saw X as the most important value and another person saw Y as the most important value, how do we manage that as a school community? And how are we all included within this religious mission statement? So what I'm hearing is that what began as kind of a, a, a COVID group, a group that was uh, thinking about the role that the school was playing during COVID, really evolved into something broader about the mission of the school and the alignment of that mission with parent expectations or parent aspirations. So when did that shift happen? And what, what were some of the things that, um, that, that you learned as you kind of shifted the focus from specifically the school is playing this role during COVID to let's talk a little bit, zoom out and talk a little bit about the larger mission of the school? So I would say it's, we started out with a broad question, which was what is the role of the school and how does it interact with the role of home and community? And that was something that was really inspired, as Tammy said, by the COVID piece. All of a sudden, school, specifically here, SAR, was taking this 
outsized role. Um, people were getting medical advice. People were joining for their ruach. People also weren't going to shul. So the community was shut down in a certain way, and school became everything. So we started with that question, which was a COVID-inspired question, but really very quickly we saw that the question was an important one for, the, in general, the balance and what the role school plays. So I would say pretty quickly this became a bigger question. Um, I also think as the school year went on and we were in school and Tammy and I were interacting with students, parents were parenting their children, some of which were you know, um, SAR, some of whom were SAR students, we started to think about things that were happening in the school building. And some of them were COVID-related, but some of them weren't. And those were some of our really interesting conversations, processing things happening on the ground. Right. It almost seemed, Shira, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, it was like the COVID experience just brought to light certain, you know, beautiful aspects of our school community and some of the areas of um, tension. Because, for example, you know, every single morning as parents, we filled out that Rivna app. Thank God, no more Rivna app. Or maybe, no? We Abby, hope. We'll see. No, you know, every morning as a parent, I knew what my expectation was. The school is relying on me to be an accurate reporter, and I rely on the school to take care of my kid once I get there. Total alignment around the issue and the value of keeping everyone healthy. There was no room for disagreement. If parents had different ideas about how to go on vacation and how to be with their... Tough. We don't have anything like that when it comes to religious observance, when it comes to academic standards even, when it comes to the social lives of our kids, we try. But this was like a, a unique moment, I think, where you, you, there wasn't room for misalignment. And I was really fascinated by that. Do we like that model, the COVID model? Could we apply it to other areas of our school life? Or, and or, do we value the kind of you know, diversity that we have in our school community? And if so, how do we manage that? Like, let's kind of stop for a minute and examine that and see how does that play out? How do parents, this was another one of my questions that came out of our conversations, parents who experience that misalignment from the mission of the school, how, how do you manage that? Are parents included in the mission or is it just for kids when they show up here? And if I'm a, a member of a family that has a different set of religious values or, or academic values or how do I negotiate that? And how much do I feel beholden to that, to that mission? That's fascinating, and I think about this a lot as a community rabbi and very closely aligned with the school by geography, and literally our shul is now housed uh, in the school. Um, And I also think that when we think about our kids, uh, we sometimes sometimes are, are concerned about the diversity question more so than we are with our own kind of adult communities. And I'm curious if in the course of your research you, that, that came out or whether the group that you assembled also sees the diversity of the SAR high school community as a source of, a source of strength. Yeah, such an interesting question. I mean, just going back to the COVID piece for a minute, like there was, I think we all were very astounded almost by the beauty and the power of the unity of our community in dealing with COVID and in programming for COVID, chesed for COVID, our approach. There was something very powerful about that. And what you're highlighting is I think that 
that piece that we didn't feel that about everything. And on the one hand, that's something missing. But on the other hand, that's also the beauty of our school, that it's a very wide tent. I think we use those words a lot. And part of being a wide tent means that there, there's a lot of diversity of, you know, like Tammy said, approaches to religious values, um, academic values, but even like what people want from the school. Once we moved out of COVID, people wanted different things from the school. And we did feel that even in our group, um, that people, there was definitely a cohesiveness to our group because it was all made up of constituents who really cared about SAR, but they also had different approaches um, to the role of school, what schools should do, how involved schools should be, um, even like Tammy said, the religious mission statement of the school. So we saw that diversity in play, even in our group. Well, let me get into this particular question. We can edit this out afterwards if we need to. Uh, there's, there's, a, um, there's like an unofficial, every year this question seems to come up uh, about a prom for our graduating seniors. So I'm curious. Oh, well, you're doing exactly what we did. <laughs> this is what we did in our group. We would take the current issue and talk about it and unpack it. And that we didn't, we ended before the prom, so we couldn't do that. But this is really exactly what we did. So again, you can kind of share with our listeners how that kind of conversation would play out within this research group. Uh, we would hope, and as teachers here, we're kind of all bought into the, the idea that we are a school that represents certain values and we have a mission and that even an unofficial kind of prom uh, strikes us as inconsistent with those values and is deeply disappointing as a, as a teacher, as a parent, as a community uh, member. Uh, I'm curious what the group that you assembled, how they kind of would have reacted to this, what, how you think they would have. I think I would think about it this way, Shmuel. You know, the way that our conversation ended up getting focused in the last couple of sessions, which were response to questions like the one that you just posed, we really found ourselves thinking about policies in the school and how policies in the school are by necessity or by design a reflection and a refraction of values, but that too often the different parties that are either enforcing the policy or receiving the policy or at home hearing about the policy, we hear different values in those policies. So one of the things that we spoke about, you know, classic high school example dress code, Right? We could talk about that the whole year. And, and the associations that faculty have with it, that students, alumni, et cetera. But when it came down to a question of values, like what is the value really behind that policy? And is there a way, is there a mechanism that the school could better communicate the policy so the value is really clear? So your question about prom, I mean, that's not a policy, right? Unless the policy would be you can't have it, or the policy would be if you're going to have it, this is how it has to be done. I think that our group would have discussed, well, you know, how's that going to feel to this group who has this kind of interest in it? And, you know, is there a conflict of values here, actually? Because we, we do teach our kids to, to take initiative, and we do take them, you know, we teach them to be inclusive. And if it's inclusive, well, then maybe it's, you know, hitting on that value. You know, I'm, I'm not sure I'm being so clear, but we, we really tried to figure out not like, what do we think about the school in general, but let's look at specific things that our school has been public about or even public for our own community. And, and what do we think we, we do learn from that? And what could we be learning from it? And everybody in the group was really receptive to hearing 
oh yeah, I never really thought about it that way. Like when we spoke, Shira, you know, about dress code and we spoke about teachers being on the other side of it. The enforcement side. The enforcement side and the ambivalence about enforcement and sharing that with alumni, it was really powerful, you know? Absolutely. And we also talked about the difficulty of imposing black and white policies or rules on a very diverse group. And essentially, we do do that to a degree in schools, in our school. But how far do we want to take that? And how much, you know, autonomy do we want to, do we give to or even understanding of where individuals are coming from? See, one of the one of the things that we talked about attention was this idea of the struggle between individuals and community. Now, on the one hand, right, we had all that power of community and community policy is powerful. Community policy reinforces community values, but we also value the individual. And what does that look like when we're trying to balance both of those pieces? And that led to some really interesting conversations. I will say, Shira, if you remember, one of the, you know, policies was one of the main place where we got at this values question and missions question. But as, as teachers, it was really meaningful to hear the alumni speak about certain moments in their memory when they really got what the school was trying to teach them, like Rabbi Harkstark's addresses at the Shabbaton or the fireside chats when the administrators speak to the grade or some of those moments that, you know, we kind of think they're a big deal when they're happening, but we don't know who's listening. And, and it, it highlighted for me how many opportunities we have to communicate to kids, different kinds of, of, of opportunities. Some are like those, you know, once a year moments. Some are in the everyday interactions. That's what we usually talk about, right, and the relationships we enjoy with our students. And it's also through policy. We have all these different ways that we both communicate values and manage this very diverse community that, we, that we're lucky to be a part of. By the way, I'll also say that some, I think Tammy and I both found this, that we often brought the conversations from this group back to our students, um, especially when we were teaching seniors and we had flexibility to raise some of these questions. I was teaching Jewish identity. One of the topics, one of the things that we do is look at the religious mission statement. So it was really fascinating to expand the conversation to a certain degree. They weren't part of the group, but talk about the conversations that we were having this group with our students who are experiencing it right now. And then we'd bring, you know, the students' ideas back to the group. So in a way, the students were almost like the invisible participants of this group. Yeah, that was that was awesome, Shira. And and it made me feel the whole year as a Makom Basiach director. Like, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be bringing parents more deeply into the conversation that has to do with their kids, we need vitally to hear from alumni voices, you know, and maybe next time we would have more alumni voices in number and diversity. This is what it's about. Our community has all these different constituents, and we, we benefit from hearing these different perspectives, and the conversation is so much richer and so much sharper, right? I could be a better teacher when I understand what the parents behind the screen, so to speak, are thinking about. Yeah, and it's not filtered through also when you talk about having the parents behind the screen being part of the conversation, it's so different when you're talking to a parent about their child and their child's experience. This is a much more expansive conversation. We're all affected by our own perspectives and our own families, but we were able to use that but put it on the side while we had this broader conversation. I thought that was very powerful. And it sounds like it was the kind of space that people were open um, perhaps 
feeling as if they could share with the two of you and with each other in ways that they wouldn't necessarily share at a conversation with a principal or with someone else who's involved in kind of the administration of the school day to day. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it was it was hard to create that feeling of openness on Zoom, as we've all done a million times this year. I think the fact that it was a small number helped, and the fact that everybody had participated in one of the Machon Siach programs, so had already felt a sense of what can happen when you open yourself up to that experience. But it was a question we asked each member when we did end-of-year interviews with everybody in the group, what would it have been like for you if there had been an administrator? And some members actually would have liked it because as our conversations, as we're describing them, sound very open-ended and, you know, um, personal experience focused, there also were moments where suggestions rose to the surface, very sharp suggestions of what the school could be doing better. And, you know, it would have been interesting had there been an administrator show up from time to time, you know, and listen in and hear what was being raised. I don't think you you could have the same kind of openness. I think that would be hard to maintain. But it is a question that I would have moving forward. You know, if there is a tachlis, you know, outcome to a group like this, what, what, what is the role of the school in receiving some of these suggestions? That's how we ended the year, you know, and we were going to get to the alumni piece, but the alumni members of the group were really helpful in pushing all of us to think about, okay, so here's something I would really like the school to be doing based on the values that this school taught me. Now here I am five years later, ten years later, I'm looking back at the school and I'm noticing, you know, a misalignment that I would like to be closed. And I have, I have some ideas that the school could really benefit from. How do I communicate those? Yeah, I think that was part of one of the richest parts of our discussion. Alumni, I mean, the alumni were so impressive. But one thing that really stood out to me was how much they care about SAR. And they want to be involved. And they're trying to figure out their place. You know, sometimes some alumni end up having children, and those children go to SAR. But, you know, we have this broad... First of all, that's not, obviously, that's not everybody. And also, even in, you know, in between that, we have this space where alumni are passionate about SAR and we want to have their voice in. So how do we incorporate them? How do we bring them in? Great. I want to circle back to kind of specific things, takeaways that you have that you learned from this group. What's one thing that each of you really feels like you learned from participating in this group it could be a specific moment or it could be just a general takeaway. Tammy, let's start with you. I kind of gestured to this before. Did I just quote your gesture? But, you know, Sheer and I throughout the year when we would debrief in between meetings, we kept coming back around to this, you know, straw man that SAR is not like a community that we imagine, a fantasy of, let's say, a Beis Yaakov school in a community that supports behaviorally and religiously the expectations of the school. That's like kind of one straw man. And on the other hand, you know, again, fantasy fictional community day school with, um, you know, not drawing from one community and lots of different expectations. And we saw ourselves, it became clearer over the course of the year, yeah, we're kind of in the middle. And we're, we're, we're trying to do something very delicate and, and exciting and, and challenging. And it was helpful to me over the course of the year to hear some of that complexity through filtered through personal experience and filtered through people who are all grateful to the school and passionate about the school and 
you know, in their own way, everybody felt like, yeah, this school helped me become and my family become who we want to be. And it was something different for each person. So I'm still thinking about that. I'm still wondering, you know, how we do this magic and how we could do it even better. Yeah, I would say the power, you know, it goes back to the last point that we made, the power of having the alumni as part of that conversation, the intergenerational conversation. We had parents, we had alumni, and we had parents of alumni. And having the conversation from all different vantage points over years, people reflecting on things that were more immediate, people reflecting on things that over time, it was such an important conversation. And it felt very important to me as a teacher to be part of it. Um, and yeah, also the, the policy piece, I think, was also that Tammy spoke about before was also really important. The values, the opportunity that the school has to communicate values through policy and how hard that is. If I could just end with one more thought, you know, in the last couple of meetings, I kept hearing this phrase in my head, slow and steady. You know, that's what our work was. It was a focus group that did not have a specific program that we needed to implement by the end. But because we met regularly and we learned to trust each other and we listened to each other, the work that we did had a kind of power to it that maybe for some people is too slow. I mean, in the end, what, what, what's going to come of it? That's a question we still have. But I grew to appreciate that kind of relationship building and, and slow listening that can yield its own kind of rewards. That was my next question. I'll press you a little bit on that, Tammy. Uh, what do you hope to do going forward with the research you got from this group? Do you hope to convene another group? Do you hope to have multiple focus groups? What are, what are the, some of the things you're thinking about in terms of next steps for Makom B'Siach in this realm? Yeah, I would say, you know, two thoughts. One is I can't go back to only running programs for parents. Alumni need to be in the room. So I'm thinking about different ways that that could happen. We'll, we'll unveil them as they become as they become real. But that was a, a true learning that I had that I'm, I'm very excited about. Um, I do think this kind of group is useful. I don't think we're going to do one again right away, but the focus group model around returning to core values is something that I think our school would benefit from. Um, we, are, we are in conversation about the best way to do that. And you know, once Zoom phases out, it will pose its own kind of opportunities and challenges to convene a group of the sort. But if I could quote Deb David, who was in our group, and she said, after this experience, my, this is Deb speaking, my feeling at a board meeting is totally different because I understand that I need to keep asking myself, how am I returning to core values? If there can be a learning like that that comes from an experience, that has its own you know, practical applications. But again, it's slow and steady. Yeah, I would say there are, I don't know if it will look exactly like this group did, but I certainly think for me coming into this as a teacher, I was enriched by it. I would like to be part of more conversations that include many different constituents. It enriched me personally as a teacher. Tammy and Shira, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, hearing about our alumni and how they're getting involved in some of our programming, hearing about parents like Deborah David, current parents and alumni parents, and how they can get involved is really something that I think is is special and unique to the work that you're doing and that we're trying to do 
at Machon Siach. So till the next time, please remember to check out Shira and Tammy's report from their focus group, uh, which is part of the Inside the Conversation that we are releasing together with this podcast. And we look forward to continuing the grand conversation the next time. Thank you.